This is the MS Show, the podcast for people with multiple sclerosis and their families who want information and inspiration. I'm Bron Webster. I've been living with MS for over 20 years. I'll be sharing with you tips, stories and ways to keep going with MS. Hi, I'm really, really excited today to be talking with Laura Pitcher. And Laura is an associate professor at the University of Sydney and also at Washington University in St. Louis. Laura has been doing a lot of research all about intermittent fasting, particularly in relation to multiple sclerosis. And it just fits. It just fits with everything that I've been talking about in previous episodes. So, Laura, welcome to the MS show. Hello, Bron. Thank you for, for having me here. Oh, I'm so grateful. And we're sort of working with time differences as well. So I know that you're out in Australia at the moment. So I really appreciate the fact that you are doing this late in your evening. Thanks for, thanks for agreeing to be on at a late time. Yeah, no problem. It's my pleasure. So that's, oh, good, good. Um, so, Laura, as I was saying when we were talking just before we've, we've done the interview, how did you become interested in the area of study and research and what sort of led you down this path? So, I'm, so I've been doing, uh, um, I've been, you know, I'm a neurologist uh, um, by training. So mm-hmm. as you probably realize from my accent, I'm originally from Italy. Mm-hmm. And that's where I completed all my education. My, I got my medical degree and my residency and the rest, I did the residency in neurology. And during the residency, I started to do research um, on MS, um, and that was yeah a while ago. It was almost uh, almost yeah about twenty years ago. <laughs> so I sort of started uh, to to work, you know, to do some research, also to see patients, and I I got committed to this to this field. I was really interested um, in um, trying to understand more about. Uh, uh, the causes of the disease and also the the potential to find new treatments that I've seen I've seen I mean I've seen you know over the course of these years how how things have changed in terms of therapies um, so basically I think it was by chance I mean it was just uh, by chance as a resident I was I was seeing patients that I was given the opportunity to do some research in this field and then I was stuck with it and I'm still you know working in this in this area. Mm-hmm. Um, then after my residency, I, because of the research that I, I, I did uh, related to multiple sclerosis, I, I applied uh, to, to, for a fellowship uh, um, to the National MS Society um, in the US. Um, and, um, and then I was awarded this fellowship. That's when I moved in the US mm-hmm. and most of the work, most of the research that I've done in this field, uh, I did it there. Uh, I moved to to Washington University. I was under the the supervision of uh, Dr. Anne Cross. Uh, she's a very well known MS uh, doctor in, in the United States. And and that's you know I, I after my fellowship I was I was offered to stay on on faculty and I I developed my program there. 
And that's when I started to do like um, studies that are related uh, to the potential role of diet uh, in multiple sclerosis. So um, I've done uh, work, you know, using the animal model of multiple sclerosis. And then uh, later on, we try to translate our finding into, into patients, which is what we are doing now. Which is really exciting um, because I think the mouse model of MS and intermittent fasting, I've seen that that's been bubbling away as research, but to hear that it's now moving into pilot in humans and to see what the like for like elements may be, I think is really, really exciting. So that's something that's currently underway in Washington. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, there are, um, I mean, I think this is an area of um, research that is, uh, that is um, interesting. I mean, it's, it's not only me and my group, but other people are, are working in this field. Uh, I think, you know, the data that uh, uh, calorie restriction and intermittent fasting uh, uh, is, been, I mean, the data that we acquired um, from the animal model um, are pretty solid. So we know, um, based on my studies and also studies that other groups uh, have done, that uh, uh, chronic restriction as well as intermittent fasting uh, is beneficial in, um, in the animal model of MS. So um, in the animal model, I mean, the most used animal model is called the experimental autoimmune encephalotomyelitis, and it's usually induced in, in mice. And what we have shown, and also other people have shown, is that if you, um, if you um, do chronic calorie restriction, this is the first study that we have done, and that was done more than 10 years ago. If you do chronic calorie restriction in mice, um, what we have done, we basically restricted, uh, we, we, we have, um, they, went, uh, they underwent 40% calorie restriction, which is a pretty severe uh, regimen. So it went from 100% to 40%? 40%, or, yeah. yeah. It's 40 per, well, they were eating 40% less of what for they how, would eat For what sort normally. of equivalent, equivalent period was that ongoing? So the, in, the, in, the type of, in the study that we have done, we, we started, uh, we did four weeks of this regimen of 40% calorie restriction, and then we, we induced the disease. In, in the mice. And then we, we looked at uh, how clinically the disease was developing. And they, the mice were kept on this 40% calorie restriction is also after immunization. When I talk about inducing the disease, you immunize the mice with like a specific molecule that will uh, sort of induce in, in, the, in the mice a disease which is similar to, to, to MS in patients. But mm. it's, you know, it's kind of recapitulates some of the aspects. So it's not exactly the same, but definitely, you know, it has been um, very helpful in terms of uh, uh, testing some of the, some of, most of the therapies that are now used in patients, they've been shown either they were developed from this model or they've been shown to be also effective in this animal model. So exactly, I mean, again, it's not uh, as the human disease, but it, it has been really helpful in, mm. uh, you know, in trying to understand more 
about the mechanism and uh, testing the therapies that are now uh, used for 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 patients with with MS. So when so, you were doing when you can I, sorry Laura um, when you were doing that piece of research, am I correct in understanding the mice had been restricted calories for the period before they were then given the MS equivalent disease? Yes. So they've been doing it prior to? Tra yeah. Prior to the induction of the disease, yes. Yeah, okay. So, uh, we, we, so we, you know, this is, you know, um, it's like one, one approach that you could do. Other people, so, and we were able to demonstrate that this intervention was able to significantly uh, reduce the incidence meaning the number of animals that were developing the disease it was delaying the onset and also reducing the severity of the disease and this is a sort of an approach which we call preventative i mean it's before you induce the disease but mm -hmm. other they have shown that uh, it works also if you start after the induction of the disease okay so, which is, you know, um, I have to say that in, uh, um, in animal, I mean, this model, you know, again, it's not exactly as the, the disease in, in patients. It's, you know, to, it's, it's actually pretty short, uh, the time when you, when you induce the disease, then you have a, a window of 20 days, in which 20, 30 days in which you follow the clinical course of the disease. So it's relatively, and also there are some changes that are some quick changes in body weight and uh, also the eating had, habits are, are changing after induced disease. So it's relatively hard to demonstrate a clinical effect when you start this intervention after the, the induction of the disease. Mm. Um, we haven't done it, so in my my group uh, did not, you know, show this. We have shown that it's very effective before when you start before the disease induction. But other groups have shown that uh, is effective also if you start after disease induction mm -hmm. in in the animal model. Yeah. So, but then you know when we and this is you know basically when we did this experiment with chronic calorie restriction, so the and the mice they were eating. 14% less every day. As mm -hmm. I said, it's a very severe um, intervention. I mean, it's something that you, it's almost, almost you know, unfeasible in, in patients, in, in, in human beings, even, the, even if they are highly motivated. It will require, high, you know, a lot, I mean, really a lot of self-discipline. And it's, you know, it's really, it's really it's very, it could be very hard almost mm. you know, not feasible for most of the people. So that's why we kind of decided to switch to a different um, a protocol, which is intermittent fasting, um, which in many ways uh, um, has been shown, uh, because, you know, in our study, um, what we have shown in the first study, we looked at chronic restriction, and we think that the, one of the mechanisms through which it works is that it reduces inflammation. Um, and you know, there are like a lot of data in the literature showing that a similar anti-inflammatory effect can also be obtained with intermittent fasting, not with chronic, on, I mean, chronic restriction, but intermittent fasting. That's why we sort of switched with this paradigm that 
could I mean is potentially more feasible in, in patients. So that's when we did uh, our more recent study in which we tested uh, instead of uh, a chronic restriction, we tested intermittent fasting. So we did the same, but the same type of experiment. The the mice, they were kept on intermittent fasting, which um, was basically they were eating every other day. So every 24 hours they were even, they were either given the food or the food was uh, uh, taken away. Um, and then after four weeks, they were immunized and we looked at disease clinical course and we saw the similar effect, a reduction in the incidence, uh, delayed onset uh, and reduced severity. So, and we, so that is, I mean, that's really, really groundbreaking stuff to think that there's a potential to actually stop the onset and to reduce inflammation, it has potential for so many other conditions, doesn't it? As well as MS. Yeah, yeah that's really important. And I, 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 you think it's mainly, you know, looking at the, uh, the potential role of diet really with the, you know, in the phases of disease, uh, of mm -hmm. develop, I mean, just to sort of prevent the development of the disease. This will mm -hmm. uh, imply like, you know, changing, yeah, changing, you know, the... Uh, yeah, changing the diet because you know we know there are certain data from the literature that show that there are you know diet is definitely probably one of those environmental factors that uh, can play a role in the development of the disease. Mm -hmm. Probably like through um, kind of modulating inflammation and the immune immune response in in the body. I mean mm. there are. Uh, pretty solid data. It's mainly based on epidemiological studies, but you know, um, many, many different different articles came out to show that uh, obesity, which is, you know, of course, I mean, it's kind of uh, open related to the type of diet. Obesity um, mm. early on in children and in young adults is associated with an increased risk to develop MS later on in life. So this one, you know, it's definitely uh, an indication. I mean, again, these are epidemiological studies, so they just, you know, kind of provide an association. They don't really mean causality, but still it's pretty, um, uh, it's, they are sort of indicative that, you know, a, a metabolic, an altered metabolic state could, uh, you know, set the stage to develop this, uh, you know, abnormal autoimmune response later on that can lead to MS, to multiple mm -hmm. sclerosis as well as other autoimmune diseases. So it's important, I guess, as well to be control, controlling or reducing the weight. Definitely, that's that. Yeah. yeah, from early on, from, you know, when you are, you are young. So that's very important to sort mm. of acquire uh, certain, you know, dietary habits that will let you and stick with that at you know, try to carry on throughout your life, trying to control your weight, mm -hmm. not only calories. I mean, definitely, you know, most of the studies I've done and what we are talking now is calories. It's not only calories. It's also the quality of the diet is very important. I mean, they go, you know, together. It's not only mm -hmm. calories. Definitely we know, you know, you know, the, the weight is, is important. Definitely also to maintain it, you know, a certain weight is also the quality of the diet. Very yeah. important, not only the yeah. amount. Okay. okay. And so the work that's ongoing at the moment that being piloted, how are you translating 
those studies into this bigger pilot that you're doing at the moment what's happening with all that side of things yeah so so basically based on our um uh, on, on on the data that we obtained from the animal uh, from the animal model which is called uh, i mean the eae uh, it's which stands for experimental autoimmune encephalomyelitis. Based on our data, we decided to um, do a small study in patients with multiple sclerosis. What we have done, and this was performed that uh, was done at Washington University, we enrolled patients with relapsive remitting MS that were having a relapse and okay. that they were treated at this at the, at the time with steroids they were randomized meaning that they were divided you know by chance basically in one or two groups in one group they were just eating their regular diet for 15 days and in the other group they were starting to do uh, they were doing intermittent fasting so they were uh, basically reducing the, um, they were fasting every other day for 15 days. Mm -hmm. So this fasting in this specific study, it was not a water fasting, complete fasting. They were just, they were reducing the amount of calorie. They were eating about four, 500 calories, meaning that they were eating um, around one or two salads with a very light dressing. Uh, okay. which you know we think it's much more feasible than doing like water fasting it's doable mm. by most mm. of the people which is i mean actually we didn't we only had one person that dropped out so uh, didn't finish the study and actually this person was in the control what we call the control group so it was in the it was not doing fasting it was one of the uh, people that was eating you know normally okay. so in this study, um, they they were doing they were following the specific uh, um, diet, either eating normally or the fasting, for fifteen days. And our main what we were looking at, we were looking at the effects of the diet on uh, uh, inflammatory markers in the blood, and the effects of the diet on the gut microbiome. And what we were, I mean, we sort of uh, were able to show that first of all, uh, it's uh, feasible. So uh, as I said, most of the patients they were able to do it safe. So there were no uh, side effects of this specific intervention. Um, and we were able to modulate uh, certain inflammatory markets in the blood, which kind of recapit, and also in the changing the gut microbiome, the bacteria in the gut, in a way that was sort of resembling what we also saw in the animal model. This was a small study, very short, so and kind of gave us the opportunity to use this data in order to um, to do a bigger study, which is now to, we obtained data. Based on this data, we, we, we designed a bigger study, uh, a long, which is a little longer and with more patients that is now ongoing um, at Washington University and it's funded by the National MS Society. In this study, um, what we are planning to do, it's, 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 on, it's, you know, right now we are, I mean, in this specific moment, we are, I mean, it's on hold because of the current situation. Mm. But the, the target is that to enroll um, uh, 40 subjects and, you know, they will be randomized again to the control group that will just eat uh, normally. We, we say it ad libitum, so they just will eat their regular diet 
or they will be randomized to the fasting group. And in, in mm -hmm. this study, they will do a sort of, uh, um, they sort of like what, what's known as the 5-2 diet or modified 5-2 diet. So they will fast two, day per, two days per week. But again, in those fasting days, they were, it's not a complete fasting. They mainly, they will do um, intermittent energy restriction. So they will eat small, a small amount of calorie calories, four or 500 calories, meaning mm -hmm. again, a, a, a one or two salads with a very light dressing. Um, so the study will be 12 weeks long. And, uh, you know, again, the main outcomes, what we call outcomes. So the main um, effects that we're going to look at are effects on uh, uh, peripheral blood inflammatory markers and changes in the, in the gut microbiome. Because we know that, you know, the, the bacteria in our gut, they are really um, influenced by what we eat and they are very important to modulate uh, the immune inflammatory responses. Mm -hmm. that also contribute to you know the to multiple sclerosis okay so again, this study is ongoing and um, we hope you know that we will be done probably next year to with the enrollment that's really good it's really exciting but and we I are think... not the, we, we are not the only one that are doing this type of study there are other groups that are i mean other groups that have already published articles in which they show they you know their um, their specific uh, what they're what they're finding um, and you know I think right now um, what we in terms of you know um, how fasting can uh, so the main the main um, what what we know right now based on the studies that have done is that fasting is uh, feasible and is uh, relatively I mean it's safe in, in patients with, with, with MS. That's what, you know, we, I think we can tell right now. If it's, you know, if it really has a clinical effect, that's something we still cannot say. Mm. So, so there are not point, enough clinical, yeah. You can't see whether or not there's um, an impact on the disability scale. Exactly, that's what or, I'm saying. Yeah, or the ongoing um, sort of progression. Exactly, Even though, it, yeah. but obviously you've seen that in, the animal model in the animal um, model but we you know we haven't been able because the study that has that have been done were not long enough to be mm -hmm. able to really appreciate an effect on the um on all the clinical uh, um, parameters that you look in, uh, yeah in that was going to be one of my questions actually so the original very small group that you ran did you follow them up so when the when the research ended so um, we we did we did it was a short study as i mm -hmm. mentioned to you so it yeah. was only 15 days so they were actually getting better but unfortunately no but they were getting better also because they were treated with steroids so yeah. we had we enrolled patients that were having a relapse and they were treated with steroids so they got better and we didn't see differences between the one that were just eating normally and they were they were doing fasting they got better both of them without differences because you know they were so in both groups they were treated with steroids and again I, you know we were hoping to be able to see an additive effect of fasting on the clinical because we knew that the you know the treatment with steroids made them of course better from mm -hmm. a clinical standpoint we were hoping to see an effect but we did not see an effect at mm -hmm. least not in this acute phase yeah 
Yeah. But what you did show was that it's from the sort of blood markers and from yeah. the practical person being able to sustain that that was possible. Yeah, that was possible. And we saw changes in, uh, yeah, we saw um, significant changes in, in, in certain inflammatory markers in the blood. So mm -hmm. those markers were different between the two groups, clearly. Pilot study that uh, has already been published. Um, we have seen that we did not, uh, uh, we, we were not able to demonstrate a clinical effect of intermittent fasting, but we saw an effect on uh, um, inflammatory markers in the blood, as well as changes in the bacteria, in the gut bacteria, which are, were sort of resembling what we have seen in the animal model. But mm. this did not translate in that specific study, which as I said, it's a very short, in an acute phase, did not translate with a clinical effect. Mm -hmm. And in the study that um the biggest study that you're doing presumably the people that you've got in that in that group are not currently experienced a relapse and are not being mm -hmm. treated with steroids so they this is really taking yeah. it to that next stage isn't it yes research. exactly yeah so yeah. those 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 patients are uh, patients that are stable in uh, in their disease uh, and they actually they need you know in order to be enrolled they need to be stable uh, without relapses in the previous like three months they mo most of them are treated with with different disease modifying treatment um, I mean still the, also these studies are relatively short it's longer than this one it's two, going to be 12 weeks um, we definitely are also looking at all the different clinical outcomes. Um, we assess, you know, clinically uh, the patients, but we do not expect, I mean, we may, but I, I don't think we are going to see a clinical effect. The main goal of this study, again, is just to see the effects of the diet on certain uh, uh, markers in the, in, the, in the blood. We look at the immune cells, the effects on the immune cells, uh, and the effects on the on the gut bacteria. So we do you know, quite a bit of studies that you know are just looking at how the diet can modulate uh, the immune inflammatory response mm. directly. That, or yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's really exciting, whichever way you look at it, um, because inflammation. I think everybody understands the fact that it's inflammation that is causing the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, unfortunately, we would need uh, studies that are, you know, in order to really look at the potential effect on clinical uh, outcomes, uh, and maybe also using imaging, we would need longer study. And that's the mm -hmm. problem with, you know, looking at, you know, just diet, you know, with diet and uh, the effects of diet. It's hard to do a long study <laughs> because it's, you know, yeah especially when you're testing a diet intervention because when you are asking someone to change uh, um, to change diet it's not something easy i mean it's mm. one of the major issues with this type of study is really the compliance um, yeah how do you make sure <coughs> excuse me how do you make sure 
that they are well you know in all in all these studies we have a, a dietitian that is following the patients very closely so they you basically she's very experienced with the, with these type of studies so they basically um, you know they sort of are instructed on, on what to do um, and they have to provide some food diaries when every time mm -hmm. they come to the clinic they have to record what they eat in the previous days so i mean of course you have to trust but you know we have to say that i mean first of all again it's you know very important the relationship that you create with the patient you know the physician the dietitian and the patient and usually it's uh, you know it's something that you know it's really open i mean the patients i mean clearly say you know i skipped one day i didn't fast because you know i had my a family with me I could so it's really something I mean it's not that straight it's just you know mm. you are sort of recording all what uh, what you know you can tell if someone is not compliant because it's uh, yeah it's a, it's a kind of relationship that you establish during the study and and on it I mean also in this type of intervention you also expect to see some change in in the weight Mm -hmm. so so it's like you know sort of read out if you know they are they are definitely doing intermittent fasting or not it's also the change the reduction yeah. in the way doing the study so that's but a usually, big giveaway i was just going to say if i for example so wanted to do some calorie restricted fasting ahead of it coming out um, as something that's been proven, it would be in my interests to find a dietitian and to make sure that I was going to be working with a dietitian and then agreeing what I was going to be doing. Would that yes. be a fair approach to take? Yes, yes, I definitely, I definitely would recommend to do that. I don't recommend uh, to just do it. I mean, yeah, I think that the best situation is just to have a dietitian supervising what mm -hmm. you do. Which, you know, I receive, you know, very often uh, emails from patients asking me because they see some of the studies that we have published. What can I do? Can I do this? Can I do that? I always really recommend to, I mean, it's definitely, again, the data now are saying that is feasible. Intermittent fasting, especially the approach that I was saying, the five to diet with which not is complete fasting but you know with a small amount of calorie during the fasting days is doable and mm -hmm. it's safe but still I, it needs to be done with the supervision of a of a nutritionist yeah so i always recommend that okay i think i need to get a nutritionist to come and do, and do another podcast interview with me as well and then we can talk some more about um yeah all that side of it and how people can find a nutritionist because it is something that I would really like to try and I, I, I would imagine that people that are listening to this episode will be thinking that sounds really positive um, so I would like to find the right way to approach this even ahead of your findings being published um, because time is of the essence isn't it for people that are living with multiple sclerosis yeah yeah that, that's certainly true yeah okay i think that has given everybody sort of really good insight into what is happening in the world of research regarding intermittent fasting i think it's been wonderful to hear how 
things are developing and where it's going and what the research looks like. And I'm just really excited to keep an eye on things and see what develops out of this. Is there anything sort of, are there any big outcomes at the moment that you've had that are looking really exciting? I think it's a really exciting area of research um, because there is a lot of interest, uh, which is, you know, coming from the patients, urgently needed uh, to find some answers from, and this is for, you know, because it's, it's one of the most common questions that the patients ask to the physician, what can I do? Can I change my diet? Uh, mm. So, and, you know, right now, uh, I think now we are sort of at a point where uh, more and more people are trying to, you know, to do the studies like the one I was describing that will give us some some real uh, answers. Mm. So something that I just want also to 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 say, which I think it's something that I believe, is that um, we don't have we I don't want to I do not I don't want the the patients to uh, understand I mean to think that they can cure the disease with the diet. I don't think that's the case. I think diet needs to be a sort of an adjunct, I mean, an, an add-on to mm-hmm. the therapies. I mean, we know that the, ther- I mean, you know, the therapies that are now available are very effective in controlling the disease. So diet is like one of those interventions that can, you know, uh, be used as an add-on. To, yes, it's part of the whole, the whole yeah, range of, the, of... Exactly. Yeah. So, and, you know, I mean, for some patients, because I, again, I see, I, you hear stories about, uh, you know, I was diagnosed with MS and then I changed my diet and I was cured. I mean, I yeah, I mean, yeah. you can hear those stories. I mean, mm-hmm. but, you know, I mean, there are just, you know, individual stories. You cannot uh, base your, uh, you know, all your judgment or what you want to do on that. I mean, what we are trying to do in, in, in uh, you know, in our our work, our job is just really to uh, support, uh, you know, you know, all what we do with just uh, um, clear scientific evidence that something is, is working. Mm. So, so that's what I'm, I'm trying to say that right now, and I think, you know, it's also, I mean, I don't, I do think you can, you can consider that as something that will cure, but definitely we think diet and uh, uh, acquiring the correct lifestyle in general can help to uh, prevent, you know, this type of diseases to happen mm-hmm. and also can, you know, sort of work um, together with the therapy to control the disease. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for some patients, it may work also controlling the disease, you know, but, you mm-hmm. know, it's, MS itself, it's so heterogeneous, so unpredictable yeah. that, you know, you cannot really say diet cured it. So. Yeah, and just sort of just a slight deviation. Have you um, changed any of the content of the diet? So, is there thinking? I don't know how you would replicate in a in the animal model anyway, but there is talk of stop eating dairy or stop eating gluten or obviously processed foods not worth putting into an MS diet, but in terms of being vegan or dairy free, have you done any work that looks at any of that aspect? No, not, I haven't done it myself. In this, the studies that we do, uh, we basically, you know, in the, in the fasting days, the patients, they are eating um, because they have to eat just 
small amount of calories, so they basically eat salads, so no mm. starchy vegetables. You know, okay. Uh, fre fresh vegetables or steamed um, with just light dressing. So definitely mm. they increase the amount of vegetables that they eat. Because, you know, if they don't eat uh, vegetables on a regular basis, uh, now they eat, you know, for two days per week vegetables. We, yeah. we do not change their diet on the other days. Uh, but, you know, again, I think it's, it's very important also to make the point that it's not only calories, it's free food. We are not doing it because we don't want to. The main reason is just that the, to make things um, really applicable to real life so the mm. compliance if you're going and changing completely you know the habits the diet habits it's hard so mm. in order to do something that was feasible that's what we decided to do for this specific yeah. study so not like, too many rules that rules no, and regulations yeah exactly, yeah. exactly. no but definitely you know if you ask me what I think, I think you don't know, you, you not only have to reduce, you know, you know, the calories, which is what you do when you do the fasting, but definitely, you know, you also have to consider that the quality of your diet in the non-fasting days needs to be, um, needs to be, you know, improved in general, needs to be a mm -hmm. good quality. And uh, what we are not, we did not, you know, have any gluten-free or dairy-free instruction in our studies. Okay. No, I just thought I would, I would ask that question just to make sure that people are still aware of what they can and can't do. It's their choice, really, um, if they're listening to this and thinking of working with a dietitian. So, well, I think, Laura, we have covered an awful lot. However, whenever we get to the end of, um, of a podcast interview, I always ask people two questions. And the two questions are, if you could be anywhere in the world, so COVID is not a factor, if you could be anywhere in the world, where would you be, your favourite place, and what would you be drinking? Okay, so that's a good <laughs> question. Um, I think I would just, you know, I would like to be somewhere up in the mountain i guess you know mm -hmm. maybe somewhere up in the mountain and I'll, I'll just be happy to drink some fresh water i mean i don't have any <laughs> particular you know thing that you yeah you're not going to have a bottle of wine with you or anything like wine, that no i think fresh water <laughs> up in the mountain maybe you know, yeah from... water from the spring maybe from the spring exactly yeah up in the mountains now i can tell you're all about having that that lovely outlook of fresh and lots of air and space so i think that's great thank you for that answer so laura i'm really grateful to you for taking the time to talk with me today and for telling us all about the studies i think it's amazing and I'm just excited to wait and see what comes out of it and to see what I might decide to do. So thank you ever so much for joining us. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for having me here. I've got to ask, did you know that I run a Facebook community? Get yourself over to Multiple Sclerosis UK Help dash Multiple Success Community UK. Click to join, answer the questions 
and we'll see you on the other side. Thanks so much for listening to today's MS show. Please subscribe, rate and review this podcast. And if you'd like to get more involved with the MS show, why not join our Facebook community? Just search Facebook for The MS Show. Come back soon for another dose of MS information and inspiration. You've been listening to The MS Show podcast.